Welcome to the 40K Lorecast. Welcome to 40K Lorecast with me, John Barsadi, and Brad Chester. This guy. All right, Brad. Here we go. This is the final battle. This Abhorus Heresy is upon us. This is the ultimate culmination. So let's uh, recap real quick to set the stage for anyone who didn't want to binge a bunch of All I'm saying is before we recap, I have to talk about the stuff that we talked about off air, mm-hmm. which is me being so excited. I'm running around John's house like a deaf comedy jam <laughs> person. And John trying to reel me in going, Brad, you have to stay on target. And I go, absolutely not, John. Yeah. I am so excited about the Siege of Terra and invading the soul system that I guarantee that we are going off the rails because so much stuff happens right yeah, now. I mean, we're going to dive hard. We, I have, we are just starting this recording now. I have no idea if this is going to be one episode or seven. Um, it, this is literally what got me into 40K. Mm-hmm. Seriously. The, back in 99, I was reading the Chaos books. And I just got super excited about everything that goes into this civil war between two rival factions that both think they're ridiculously right and are both ridiculously wrong. And I love everything about it. And I'm excited to talk about it. So let's just do a quick recap for those who decide to start on this episode. Well, so, well which is, <laughs> hey, you know what? We've talked a lot. Maybe it's all they care about. It's so good for you all. So there were 18 legions within the space marine legions because two of them were redacted 50 percent, nine of them have turned to trade have turned traitor and have all in one way or another fallen within the influence of chaos although i actually i really know iron warriors maybe not so maybe not all all but I'll, one awful legion oh yeah okay fine fair enough okay recap nine of the 18 legions have turned traitor seven of those nine <laughs> have are for to, sure part of for the sure plan. part of chaos the other two but also being, Let's do a recap on where everybody is because the traitor legions are, oh, what are they infused with real quick, John? Chaos. Weirdly enough, again, not the forces of law and planning. So they are kind of following the plan. Not so long as it exclusively benefits them. Yeah. And they are also already infighting and trying to be a little bit better than their brothers. And then you have the loyalists who are in the worst position possible because they are mostly scattered to the winds. There is chaos warp storms, which are stopping travel right now, mm-hmm. which are making it very, very difficult to get back to Terra. And we'll do a whole podcast about some of the stuff that's going on with that. Yeah. But what we've got is loyalists all over the place. Some of the legions are, have gotten back to Terra and are ready to defend. And we've also got a lot of legions on the way. Horus also knows that there are legions on the way and also knows that they're being actively disrupted. So he knows he has a limited time frame before they have maximum threats. And this is really important. It's Horus. This is the culmination. When Horus doesn't have months to to get through in Congador, he has days, maybe, maybe weeks to get through and get to Terra and kill the Emperor. Because at a certain point, he will get overrun. There are to, to recap, he's got he's got to get through the Blood Angels. He's got to get through 
the fists. The, the, the fists. There's white scars. There's a few white scars floating around. The custodes, the sisters of silence. But he also knows that the ultramarines are coming back. The but bloody the angels. Ultramarines, the ultramarines and the dark angels are on their way. And, well, that's and the, the blood angels thing. are kind of already here. The blood angels are mostly there. I would say I would argue the blood angels are basically there. Yeah, they're they're just they're, they're they're getting the forces back together. Exactly, and there, the, there still are there's a couple of random. But, but, but he also knows 15, that. But the, well, the thing about the biggest part about Horus is just not that the other the legions are on their way, and and also we're talking major the the guys that are putting up huge win percentages on the yeah. leaderboards are on their you, way back. You don't want. Yeah, you don't the need the dark angels, the ultramarines <laughs> showing up behind you yeah. because it is. But, but the biggest thing is, is, is Horus also is, again, he was the war master for a reason. Mm -hmm. He also knows that his forces are fraying. They're splitting apart. They are, again, infused by the forces of chaos. They are starting to splinter. They're starting to infight. Even though he is at his peak of power, his control over his forces is it's going into the air. He he's the war master in chaos in name alone, kind of. Everybody yeah. is doing their own thing as long as it goes along. Well, I, I think the analogy I would do is if you if anyone's a big fan of sci-fi, what Horace has is he's trying to control anarchy. So he's got all these forces, and unless he's physically basically holding them still and telling them to do something, they just kind of wander off a little bit, do the thing. Meanwhile, he's fighting a force that is singular in purpose, which is his destruction. So he he doesn't have time. So and that's the thing is, is the biggest thing is, is that both sides don't understand that a little bit, though, because the forces of the Imperium feel like they are on their back foot because Horus has the upper hand and mm -hmm. forces everything that's going down. But Horus knows that he does not. He yeah. cannot fight a protracted war. He will lose. If this goes on too far... His forces are literally, we'll talk about this in a minute, yep. they're punching guys that are in an alley somewhere. And you're like, why are you kiggling that guy? You're like, eh, I was just wandering around. I was around. bored. I didn't feel like doing the thing. It's Tuesday. Yeah, you know? exactly. This is what I do on Tuesdays. Yeah. So, like, he knows that he cannot keep grasp of his, all of the forces. He has his legion, which is always going to do what he's doing. He has a, a firm grasp on some of his forces, but he knows that, the majority of his coalition of nine legions, which he's already kind of already losing a little bit of, he knows that he can only keep them for so long. Yeah. So let's get, so then let's get into this. So as Horus approaches, we talk about one of the things we talk about of 40K is it is the universe is three dimensions, but we tend to talk about it in a two dimension format. And the invasion of Saul does occur in what I would call largely a two-dimensional format, where they're coming in from the outside, not like from the underneath the top. He comes in as a focused vanguard, almost like a phalanx formation. Yeah. Wait, this is, but he's coming from the outside. So the first place that he's going to hit is, who knows, maybe in the 41st millennium, it's a, it's a planet again, but it's Pluto. <laughs> Brad and I are of the age of Pluto well, was a planet for us, and now is not. Th this is a big deal because Kias actually starts out wildly strong because mm -hmm. Rogaldorn thought that he was going to take literally weeks, maybe months. And Horus clips through this, and I think it's a weekend, basically. Yeah. Just blasts just right blows through. through it. So the first place they're going to hit is Pluto. And Pluto is a fortification. and It's, it's got, not it's even got, a plan. It's yeah. just 
literally guns. a bunch of floating guns, yep. period. It's gun platforms, and he thought this was going to be a big deal, but everybody underestimated the sheer size of the force that Horus is bringing. So Horus does a really clever thing, as, as we discussed in our episodes. He's, it's not just his force isn't just made up of space marines. He's got evil guardsmen. He's got cultists. He's got all them. So he just goes, screw it. You got a bunch of guns on a planet. I'm going to just fly my ships at you full of people I don't care about. You can kill them. But those ships are going to crash into you, and I'm coming right behind He them. literally kamikazes yeah. full ships of guardsmen. Yeah. And just human shields them into Pluto. Well, it's also more important that he's also doing sacrifices. Mm-hmm. He's actually powering up the rest of his forces because he's literally doing ritual sacrifice while he's blowing up. While he's crashing barges into fortified moons and things, he's literally giving yeah. the... The cabal of witches kind of thing where he's, I sacrifice all these guys. Why? Well, I was going to do it anyway, so yeah. might as well get some They were going to die either way, but if I do it this way, the chaos gods give me even more power. Exactly. Because I need all the power. But as much as Horus is super interested in, in, in invading and taking out uh, Rogaldorn's defenses, you know who's more excited about this, Brad? <laughs> Perturabo. Perturabo. So I think my note here is Perturabo invades Uranus because... I couldn't because I why could, not? I couldn't miss that joke. It's just it's you, you softball it. I'm going to hit it. So well, the, they they do actually have a big explosion, which Rogaldorn does take his pound of flesh on mm-hmm. the Pluto thing. Pluto is ridiculously a win for Horus, but in the middle of his huge grandiose victory, they effectively get too cocky and. Take they a push huge them and take a big yeah and you're right they Rogaldor- take a big chunk out and of Rogaldorn just detonates a bunch of stuff and blows up a giant chunk of the forest like a lot like a huge amounts of warships like big warships on that and it it isn't hugely impactful but it is a one of the things that he didn't count for yeah and this is where Rogaldorn really is fantastic Rogaldorn is a master of siege war uh, of siege, sorry of fortification and part of fortification also is the counterattack which is what Rogaldorn's very... Rogaldorn knows something, so we should probably take a pause here. Rogaldorn knows that the Dark Angels and the Ultramarines are... They they have communicated with the Emperor that he knows... Rogaldorn knows he doesn't have to win. Rogaldorn knows that he needs to not lose in a certain time frame. Buy enough amount of time, and on the other side of my enemy come my allies, which is... The worst thing you could ever happen if you're an invading force also yeah. discover they're the, also behind yeah, us. Yes, also the best people coming. Yeah. Uh, the, oh, I'm sorry. The people coming are by far our best fight. Yes. Like wildly. Like like crazily. And so it's a big deal that while he's crazily incorrect on how long it's going to take him to get through the Pluto defenses, he does take a huge pound of flesh. He It's a big deal because it's also because... It puts the fear of the Imperium back into the traitor, mm-hmm. the traitors, because they thought they were winning so largely. And I actually think this is one of the big things that splinters some of the forces, because of the fact that they were like, "Look at Horus; he crushed that thing that you know Rogaldorn thought was going to take weeks or months. He did it in a weekend. Yeah, like it was but nothing. then, as he's doing it, all of a sudden, we lost all these flagships immediately. Got mm-hmm. put it off. So you get all these people like." Oh, maybe he isn't, you know, uh, infallible. 
at this stage, Horus unleashes Petaravo because the problem is that Horus can't have another Pluto. He, if that happens over and over again, eventually his forces will become. Well, he'll, he'll not only will lose, Horus is going on, which is what chaos today goes off. Horus is leading this force, force of personality. Yeah. He cannot, he, he, it doesn't matter if he's not, it doesn't need a loss. He can win every single match, but he needs to win so if convincingly. He's, right, if he's viewed with weakness. He already had, I mean, it was Lorgar, so who cares? But he also already had one Primarch turn on him. Exactly. He cannot afford to lose the control of, of the Primarchs. If it's just Horus and the Lunawolds, this is over pretty quick. Yeah, like, and it, this is a quick episode. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> We're going to commercial and yeah, Horus is and, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where a lot of this is, is going to come into next. So. Pedarabo then takes over, and Pedarabo and, and Horus is the Pedarabo. Hey, I need you to go. And Horus is also feeding into it because mm -hmm. Pedarabo is also uh, obviously after the Fulgrim thing. He's not super on board with all this. Yeah, he's still just on team anti Rogaldor. Exactly, maybe and, a little bit of anti Emperor. And basically, he says, effectively goads him into Rogaldorn's defenses are unassailable according to Rogaldorn. Yeah, and then Pedarabo goes. I'm back in a hundred percent doing this. So at this stage, we kind of get a cool story. And I like this because when we talk about chaos, I think there's multiple levels of chaos. We have the levels of chaos that we've talked about where it's, I am a fully infused with chaos, like the plague Marines who are now made up of chaos. They're just, the they, they are, sons. they are Nurgle. Yeah, the sons. Then you move into your next group who are like your cultists who are, who've given themselves over, but they're still fairly human. But there's still another group in, in the in the universe, which they call here. They use the term pirates, which is just terrible. But you know, all I have to say is Captain Jack Sparrow's yeah, in the house. Exactly. Arr. But gangers is a term that they use, and yeah, I I I come from a lot of fantasy RPG backgrounds. So well, it's Necromunda stuff, though. They're, they're they're I, I'm listening to rifts. Um, you want to go rifts? Yeah, Palladium games. That, that oh type yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. This type of stuff. Where this idea is that if you get too far in the future. You're going to get this. Anyone who's played Starfield, anyone who's played... Um, well, they're, they're mercs. They're just yeah. really, literally, hey, I have a fight coming on. You're like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, I have money. Now I care. But Or even just, hey, there's bounty to be had or booty to be true, had. True, true. Come on. We're going to go invade the wealthiest galaxy, the wealthiest solar system in the entire universe. Like, wildly yeah, so. If you, you can just take anything you want. So Pedarabo shows up, not just with his fleet, but with also this, he's got cultists, he's got pirates, he's got space. He has literally the hold on the motley crew. The motley, oh God, yeah, you're welcome. So bad. <laughs> oh, you totally. You were three I, concerts I, now. I can guarantee you there is a picture somewhere. It was taken on film of Brad with, with no sleeves outside of outside of for a sure. Crew. Yeah, outside of a motley crew. 100 oh, with long yeah, hair, by the way. With long hair. Oh. <laughs> It's awful. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's terrible. Uh, but so the Imperial defenses are, are set up and they were expecting to be invaded by other space rangers. And now they're well, getting that, 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 let's pause pirates. On. I do do go back on that though. Because mm -hmm. the Imperial defenses aren't made for small exactly. bullshit ships. This is literally a conglomeration of nonsense. Yeah. In the Imperium's defenses are set up through kill capital ships. Yeah, I'm going to blow a hole in the capital ship, not waste this shot on a ship well, the, the size. They, they literally showed up with a Millennium Falcon. Yeah. They, like, but a 
billion of them. Well, a Million Falcon would, would be a step up. These are just true. They they are these are container ships. I mean, these yeah. are these are you know it, just it's, nonsense. I mean, I would think of the, the show. Man, we're gonna keep making movies about Firefly. Um, it's that type. And that's, Actually, that's, yes. I'm, I'm thinking like, like that type of style where they're coming in and they just start getting overrun. But Pedro is correct in this. He brings these small things and and the, the, the and no one have, and no one invades until they get into. Exactly. They give they give absolutely none of their forces to be hit by their defenses, and then all these. We'll just call them pirates. Screw it. Yeah, all these pirate ships start disabling all of the defenses, and they start running over them with this trick. And this is and this trick he then repeats this on Neptune, Saturn, Jupiter. Pedrabo is just coming in with this group, and then of course he brings in a fun little toy, the Night Lords. Because if you're going to bring pirates, you know what you bring? Night Lord. You bring pirates plus. You bring a crazy person with yeah. you. So they've got the loyalists kind of on the back foot. Who, by the way, has now escaped for the second time. Oh, yeah. Well, we're getting to Conrad. I'm just saying he literally has been captured twice. Although one thing I do want to note here. So it's because we're going to foreshadow a a future episode here. For those who are not aware, one of the moons of Jupiter is Titan. It's not there anymore. Yeah. While all this invasion is happening, there are ships, there are pirates, there are capital fleets they all just seem to go mysteriously past this one moon of jupiter called titan and i think my note here is ooh, foreshadowing but it's going to come up because malkador hit it it's, it, it's just gone no one can see it no it's, one it's knows not even it's just, there it's not just see it it's gone well no it's there well, it's kind of it's it's, it's, no it's one, outside of space and time exactly. how about that and so but that's what i think it's interesting when we talk about this and i'm just foreshadowing for an episode and people who know what cough I'm cough great nights yeah people who don't talk about know what i'm talking about but at this stage Pedrabo has now achieved what he's always wanted to achieve he told rogaldorn to suck it and pushed right through rogaldorn's defenses and rogaldorn to his credit realizes that none of this shit matters yeah like i I don't have enough forces to waste outside of the immediate Mars, Luna, Terra. It's, just, it's Luna, Terra. That's that's what I care about. I mean, he kind of cared about Mars. Let's be honest. He would have. And this, but what I'm saying is he needs Terra's where the Emperor is. And Correct. Luna's well, again, he needs to stall. He yeah. doesn't need to win. And that's the big thing about Rogel Dorn. I will give him, even though I hate him so much. I mean, not like Lorgar, but like like real hate. Well, I actually don't worry. I wrote stories into here of all the times in this process that Rogel Dorn just yeah. ass, and yeah. I'm going to make Brad tell you those stories. So <laughs> basically, Rogel Dorn realizes that one, I don't have the forces to extend out to Jupiter, Saturn, or whatever. Right. I have to basically make this a grinder. I have to, I have to literally, I can't win this fight. Period. But all I need to do is stall this fight, and I can't do it out in the basically out yeah. in the system. It's this piece of why losing my forces on Neptune when I have to fight on Terra anyway. I'm yeah. just going to use the, the Neptune real fight only matters here. Exactly. So this begins falling back. At this moment, though, the Dark Mechanicum do actually kind of rise up out of Mars and they attack. So as we said in the last episode, Rogaldorn has put a blockade up around Mars. They've got Mars fairly well held. But as Horus and his forces breach into the solar system, that's when the Dark Mechanicum attack. Activates, basically. Yeah, and they just explode up. And, and now they come, they stop, effectively stop civil warring on Mars and begin warring within there. So this is adding a new front. 
And this is in the thing about the dark mechanic is not just the things that the space Marines need. It is literally Titans and Titan. It's not just Titans. It's not like three Titans that are, it's a lot of, it's a legion of Titans Titans coming up. Also, they've secretly been building capital ships that, that then pop out of the planet fully armed and shooting. So it's Horus has now fought his way through to Mars. He's lost, you know, ships and troops in the process gets to Mars and hits that, that, that HP, like, you know, uh, Oh, he gets uh, the power up on it's a new life. And we're back in. He's literally losing forces. And all of a sudden he goes, Oh, cool. I'm going to get better shit than I had before. Let's let's go. Yeah. It, it, that's a huge deal because it also is a huge psychological deal for the defenders of Terra because they kind of thought they were winning. And then, oh, crap. You know, the, the guys that we thought were on our side. Oh, yeah. They made a bunch of shit for our enemies. Yeah. This is not great. This is. And, yeah. And our enemies just grab it and power up. So if we're doing like, you know, if you, if you understand your space geography, what's next after Mars? Earth. Well, let's talk about Luna. We got to talk about Luna because. Luna isn't Luna. Luna is a random moon that stops us from getting hit with that many meteors. Yeah. Luna in the 40K universe is a literal giant rock of fortifications. But Luna isn't Luna. It isn't one thing. The entirety of the moon plus everything that's in orbit. Yeah. So there's one orbit of the moon. But the orbit of the moon is literally one foot by one foot by one foot defense satellites, yeah. right? Like all around Terra. So it is, yes, one big block of the moon, which is legitimately Looney Tune style guns pointed, I like, that I like, like literally yeah. pointed at someone else. Yeah. But like, it's also like infinite number of satellites also bombed and guns. Yeah, these aren't Verizon wireless satellites. These are, these are. And it is a full network. It is, again, 3D. It's not a circle. It's a, it's a full sphere of defense satellites that either have guns or huge explosives. And we're not talking like click, click, boom, like ID. We're talking like planet killing bombs in orbit. So Luna presents a problem for Horus in that it's technically unbreachable. And if you were to approach it, Luna, the, the Luna system, the Luna defense system, probably we should refer to it as, would eliminate your fleet. Because um, it blows up capital ships. Their bombs are routine. literally capital ship destroyers. Like one, one of the bombs that are around yeah. will blow up. And a there's ship. more than enough for your entire fleet. Correct. So, <laughs> and they're, I mean, to be perfectly honest, also, they're cloaked. And now we're going to get into a little th- interesting thing here about Lorgar. So as we said in the last episode, Horus has kicked Lorgar out. But Lorgar knew this this moment was coming, that, that he was going to enter into... Well, Lorgar knows, let's be honest, the Chaos Gods True. know that there is a celestial event going on. And this celestial event is called The Comet. That's the quotations because GW ran of Latin names to call, to call it. <laughs> Instead of calling it the Cometus, they went with the Comet. Um, and the Comet, it's not actually a real Comet. It's actually a random piece of Dark Age of Technology structure that appears every thousand years. 
in, within Seoul. Apparently, the emperor during Unification Wars just captured it as a, like, look at me. Look how awesome I am. really capture because it still disappears for a thousand years. So, I honestly, I've read this five times and went, I, I don't follow and moved on with my day. Uh, but Lorgar realized this is actually a pretty big deal. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's not really Lorgar as much as the gods of chaos. The comet gives them a way through. So, they... Lorgar then, Lorgar, sorry, the Horus, thanks to some advice from prior, from chaos gods, sends Aramon and the word bearers that he's allowed to keep to go take, capture this comet and begin a, I don't know what you'd call it, ritual sacrifice? I mean, they kill a shit ton of cultists. Like a metric, I, you know what, I mean, I'm staying with my shit ton yeah. because there's no other, yeah. they, they kill so many people. And because of this, they effectively give a, I'm going to give my World of Warcraft people, they literally open up the, the portal to, and the orcs start running out. Yeah, and so they open a warp rift on this comet as it passes over the moon. And again, this comet is every thousand years, so Rogaldorn wasn't shooting at it. And nothing's greater for your safety than Angron, Fulgrim, and Horus showing up personally with their legions on the moon to hand to hand you in a fight that you thought you were going to shoot people. Yeah. So it's never a great thing when a giant shows up and punches you when you thought you were going to be shooting him for, you know, yeah, 5,000 kilometers we'll away. We'll see them coming as they kept past Mars will blow them up. No, they just blew up this comet in quotes above our heads and out of that comet spilled Three of the legions I want nothing to do with, with Angron, Fulgrim, and Horus coming out, and they are, you know, six inches from your nose. And not, not how just, far you wanted them away. Yeah, and just begin running through the moon. And th this is a big deal, though, because the moon's actually set up for ranged combat. And if you've ever played 40K, if your army is all shooting, yeah. and you accidentally or just don't have the right resources to keep people at bay, you're in a bad news bearer situation. Well, it's, yeah, melee armies, touching shooting armies, bad thing. And that's yeah, kind of what happens here. He, but he also, he takes the moon over, like, kind of fast because they are not set up for that. But as the moon falls, Dorn, this is where we're going to make Brad tell a story. Oh, Jesus. And, oh, you know you love this story. So the moon <sighs> is falling. Dorn realizes he needs the, the moon. And he brings his fleet over into... I refuse to actually read about the Remembrancer, by the way. <laughs> it's fine. You know, they're, they're, but we do need to explain what, what... So as much as Brad likes to talk crap on, on Rogaldorn for him being boring... Scrub. That being said, hey, Brad, can Rogaldorn fight? That dude's bad as shit. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to, but, I don't even think he's ever lost. Yeah. He's actually bad. For, for as much as, as we talk crap, Rogaldorn of all the Primarchs, is, it's him and Lehman Russ are people you really don't want to be fighting. Yeah, I don't want to be in a hand-to-hand -hand with those yeah, guys. These are monsters. So Rogaldorn launches himself up, up at the moon. And as he's getting close to the moon, another trap is sprung. Um, he also wrecks two named demons. Yeah. Back to back here, like I mean, he's back to back. Them. Yeah, and so as he appears on the moon, there it turns out that there was a plant within his ship, 
And it was a remembrancer for those who've read the books. You can, you really should read the books of Marisande. But as he's a, approaching, a true demon appears on his ship. Like in the middle of in the, the ship. Middle. And it's named Samus. And Samus is now, when we say demon, we're not talking a, a bloodthirster or something. We're talking, ooh, and like Dorn. Entity of the yeah. one. And Dorn just goes to town on this thing. But what's funny is it is almost perpetual at this stage. So Dorn, I'll let Brad do it. Brad, walk me through what, what Rogel Dorn does to I Samus. do not want to at all. I know. Dorn puts the beats. Like, I don't even know because the time was warped at this point in time. So he beats the shit out of this demon. Kills it. It, re it reincarnates. But he, like, he whoops it like a bunch. But yeah, you don't know how much he whoops it because it, the, the demon itself warps time. Mm -hmm. Like, so you're not sure how much time is gone. So Dorn either beats this demon up for 10 minutes or 10,000 years kind yeah. of thing. Like, but he wins. He never loses, does he? Exactly. He never loses Dorn one battle. literally thunderdomes this demon, a powerful demon, over and over and over and just keeps rickrolling it. And because it's Dorn and he's boring as shit, he doesn't care that it's he taking just, this long. I'll just keep doing it. He's just got to just keep doing this But forever. eventually, the, the source of the demon, which is this Marisandri, jumps into a reactor and kills herself. And then actually that actually closes the, the, the door that the demon was coming back in. So the demon is gone. The problem is at this level, this fight that Rogel's been stuck in, slowed him up enough. And at this stage, Luna's lost. He, he basically gets, he gets slowed down. His, the, the thing is, is his entire force that he was with kind of waits for his fight mm -hmm. to be over and they don't know how to interact with it because you're kind of watching two gods fight, fight other, and you yeah. have no idea hey man how should i help odin like yeah. fight you're like i'm probably just gonna stand here and just wait and see how and it works out and just see what they do yeah so like i don't really think i have the the mojo to get into this so once he's done luna is lost it's too late so I think what I, I wrote here that this is a breather moment. So we're about to get into the final fight of the heresy. So now we've got, I would say, some some goals adjustments. A Horus has seized the gal has seized the solar system with the exception of Terra. So Earth is now surrounded. His goals are very clear. He's going to have to go down to Earth, and he's going to have to get through the Imperial Palace and kill the Emperor. But he, has, he wants to kill the Emperor one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. He he wants, again, he's still... The, the goal, that goal has never changed mm -hmm. is he has to prove to the Emperor that he is right. Yep. It isn't just... He's not going to defeat the Emperor. He has to show the Emperor that he is correct. He is the one that's in the right. I am just. And my view is the right thing. But also, this is also when Horus finally, effectively sacrifices a lot of himself to the gods yeah, at this because stage. he is desperate to be right. He is desperate to solidify the deal, but they're also I, fucking with him. That, I, that's I, a big I, thing. I, I think that's important because it, it's this entire time. This is whole, this whole thing has been going on. The chaos gods have been whispering in Horus's ear. Now we've, we've covered twice. Now his soul has been, has been in the immaterium. He sacrificed it twice to them. But even as that, they still want more. And so they're constantly giving him that, that deal. You know, give more of yourself to me and we'll give you more power. Give well, more well, of yourself to me and we'll give you more power. This is big, though, because at the the invasion of Terra... He's not conscious. Well, that's the thing. is, is that The gods of chaos literally say, well, 
you know that your your father's more powerful than you. Mm-hmm. If you don't let us help you, you're going to lose for sure. You you know how powerful your dad is. And they kept, well, you're, you're not going to make it. You're not going if, to, if you don't let us help you, you won't be able to be right. Mm-hmm. And at this point in time, he's again, Horace is the king of rationalization at this point in time. Yep. Every horrific thing that he's done has been for the great, I am right. And this is how you show people you're right. You have to be stronger than them. You have to be more powerful. And they keep giving them the, well, you, you do know that your dad's better than you. You know what I mean? If you don't let us help you, he will always be better than you. Exactly. So Horace kind of at this point, and they don't go into a tone, but he basically capitulates and becomes a plaything almost of the, of the gods. All right, let's get into the siege of terror then. So it's party time. It is. Party it's time. party time. Horace opens up with an orbital bombardment of the palace and everything around it. Absolutely um, nothing happens for this. Yeah, just bombs it. Problem is, Pedarabo is the one actually doing this, and he's trying to find the flaw in Dorn's plan. He's trying to he, find. He's a not way. even trying to be anything. He's just trying to screw around with. To be honest with you, this would have gone better, except for the fact that he's basically screwing with his brother. He's just taunting him. He's trying to find a flaw, but he's also trying to be like, I'm better than you. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to come through your defense. Right. You like, can't stop. I'm, I'm going to do this. And instead of basically focus firing and doing things, he wants to basically show him that he's better than him. Yeah. So he's, he's drawing this out bad guy style. When he doesn't need to. He just is. That really is what's going on. That's a good point. Meanwhile, you've got Angron and Fulgrim who are just, like my notes here, are just <laughs> bored. They're so bored. It's a fun story, side story here. Angron actually gets so angry at this point. He starts ripping angry his own Ron ship gets apart. so angry? Just starts ripping his own ship apart. He, so... You gotta remember, pause on this. He murders the bridge. Yeah, kills everyone on the bridge. The bridge. Yeah. Not like... A guy on the yeah. bridge. He kills everyone. So Karn, so Karn who Would comes you, up in later stories. By the way, how is Karn the voice of reason here? <laughs> well, the voice of reason. Karn's just the solution here. So Karn decides to call up Conrad and say, Hey, remember that labyrinth that you threw Vulcan and he escaped from? Can I borrow that for a little bit? Why? Oh, just my dad. Just reasons. I gotta put my dad in it. And so they throw Angron into this Night Lord capital ship in a labyrinth to just try and break the labyrinth, which he, you know, it's better than the bridge of his own ship. We should actually give credit to the fact that distant British dad is, as usual, doing very important things that he tells no No one one about. about. Literally, hey, Dad, why aren't you helping us repel these invaders? And he goes, yeah, son, I'm, I'm doing stuff. I'm, I'm very busy. You're like, and then what he could have said was, I'm literally single-handedly stopping Terra from being overrun by demons, yeah, which I, are the entire warp is trying to collapse on Terra, and I am by myself stopping that from happening. And an interesting story they talk about in the books here is that 
Horus knows about this, and he's concerned that his brothers, Angron, Mortarian, Fulgrim, are all demon princes. And he's worried that if, if they were to warp the jump down to the planet, this barrier the Emperor has put up to keep demons out would just evaporate them. Yeah, they would just... Yeah, just by, the way, he, by the way, he's not keeping people out. He's disintegrating yeah. demons so, as they touch what so he's they putting can, So this is why Angron and Fulgrim, as, as much as they are aboard, cannot go planet side until, until Horus is able to push this stuff back. Fun story, though, on Horus. He's not doing great right now. Oh, no. He uh, accepted a little bit too much warp energy into his body, and he is now... Horus slash out of body Horus experience. Yeah, he is completely. He is a Disney ride right now. He's basically in, in, in borderline coma, and this is the first time Abaddon's come up a lot in the in the stories. But this is the first time Abaddon now takes over the Legion and begins running. <sighs> My favorite, the guy that's called the Destroyer, and his nickname is the Destroyer. The translation for Abaddon is Destroyer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's the Destroyer of the Destroyer. Oh. Good, yeah. job. Good, good, <laughs> good job naming mechanics. After enough bombardment, it is time for planet fall. And the first ones to go down are plague lords. Which is weird, by the way, because they're the last to arrive first to be on yeah. planet fall. Well, it, that's, this was a promise he made to Mortarian. Because he told Mortarian, I'll let you go and kill the Emperor, even though Horus was really going to do it. So he couldn't hold him back any further. But also, if you're going to do siege, if you're going to do siege, you know who's really good for sieging? The guys bring all the biologic weapons. And as usual, Mortarian's on point, but he also does. And you could say that part of his these people that were with him, they wreck the populace. Also, yeah. Oh, this is this invasion of Terra. As much as we talk about it being an attack on the Emperor, there was a very quick decision that the entire planet was with the emperor and anyone and everyone there was was fair game yeah like people like half maybe more to be honest with you mm -hmm. of the death guard just show up at the mall yeah not as bad as emperor's children we'll, we'll go into that fun story in a little bit yeah. yeah the one part i was actually confused with and i'll ask you brad is like so they had a whole piece of like the emperor's put up his barriers so nothing no demons can get down and they send down the plague marines who are demon abused but they're not they they are and they are not. They're chaos warp infused, juiced up, but they're not actually demons. Okay, then that would and make what sense. happens is he's effectively saying it's kind of the the daywalker thing. Kind of you know, ah. he's he's protecting you versus specifically this. But if you're human slash this, you you, you can sneak you in. can still right. kind of. Sneak. It was a part of the. I was trying to understand it. I'm reading it. And I just. Yeah, you, I thought, you basically like break the rules by being not just a thing of chaos, which is why he's only stopping demons. You know, he's literally only stopping things that are only of the warp. That makes more sense. So as they land, um, Mortarian's old buddy, uh, Jagadeh Khan, decides this is, we're not letting this happen. And he they gets attack. immediately punked. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they push through. They, they attack. I apologize. Yeah. I just... It's just the fact that he literally, he basically calls out, he does an Achilles Hector call out. Yeah. And then gets smoked six seconds later. He's like, you cannot take me. You're not going to yeah. take Terra. And then goes, you're stabbed. And he's and like. Someone stabs with a poison blade and he falls over. And he immediately like, oh, God, gets. I'm dying. Yeah. And he immediately gets dragged back in the fortress. But now we're going to see the first appearance 
Uh, and this, this, there's a lot of Primark fight that we're going to get through at this point. But at this point, Sanguinius, with his wings that aren't wings, his flying power, whatever, shoots in and grabs him. And this is kind of one of the cool things about this. As this is going on, the Emperor's sphere of power is beginning to weaken. weaken. This is what Horus's real goal was. was as Brad was mentioning, the Hor at first, the Emperor's protecting the entire planet. But as more and more attacks come in, the size of his force field begins to shrink. <laughs> He's so, eventually protecting him and three guys. Yeah, three guys. <laughs> so Khan, so Jagatai Khan has been stabbed with a poison blade. See, a la Horus, you know, on whatever planet that was. <laughs> it was a moon. Thank you very much. Yeah, on the moon. See, he was a la Horus on the moon and is now dying from this poison blade. Sanguinius grabs him. And brings him back to the Imperial Palace. As soon as he gets close to the Imperial Palace, the full, he's fine. Yeah, the Emperor's power is just clear the poison, and Jagadagon pops up and says, "All right, let's do that again." Yeah, and also, Space Jesus, I have to give power to the Blood Angels. Oh, he's incredible because Sanguinius literally, he's doing a bunch of things that are not just for the fight. He's doing yeah. things to raise. He's doing things that a figurehead does. Yeah. He wants to show people he's the leader. we can yeah. we can win. You need to see me winning. That's what Sanguinius does. By the way, he's super ineffectual as far as the defense. Oh, it's terrible. But he's super big on raising the fact that hey guys, I'm winning. That means that you're yeah, winning. Everybody can win. One thing, though, that, that is important here is as Jagadik Khan wakes up and comes back from his poison, he begins telling you know, the, the loyalists what he saw. And what he saw was the traitors were not were erecting siege engines, but they were also doing rituals out, out there. They don't know why, but they're doing also this. Also, everywhere. everywhere. It's not just rituals. Like It's not like one ritual is going on. They are doing rituals just Everyone, just everyone. blood sacrifice. I mean, they brought a lot of. Let's just say they came to Terra with a lot more cultists than they were planning on leaving yeah. Terra with. They they are <laughs> literally. They just want to do these rituals, and they want to effectively summon the Immaterium. They want to summon Chaos mm -hmm. to Terra. That is their end game. They're like, we can't just win a conventional war. We don't have enough people, so that's where this goes. But so, oh yeah, how many people does the warp have? Oh, carry the one. Infinite. infinite we have literally infinite amounts of people and at this moment those rituals begin to go off and we start and what happens is this begins to open gates to the immaterium and hordes of demons are just appearing on the pouring planet, out by the way pouring out and coming right at the, the, the gates of terra so surrounding as we were talking about earlier there's this barrier protecting uh, the the interior uh, the interior and there's hitting this oh, barrier. Cranite fans, the it, Aegeus. It's the Aegeus, and so these demons are bouncing into this Aegeus shield, and the traders are shooting at the Aegeus shield, and it's being bombed, and eventually it falls. It, it, it falters like any like any good force field in any sci-fi film. It falls. And what do you do <laughs> <laughs> when some of this happens? You open the labyrinth that's got you know, the world's angriest demon Primarch in it and oh. just drop him on the planet. Oh, I'm sorry. You said angriest? No, because he has now reached maximum angry because he is super pissed that you put him in the labyrinth and you basically let him out a doorway and went, eh, he'll go that way. He'll go that way. And that's exactly the way he went. 
And I actually, again, when you read the novel, it goes one way. But my brain, because I just want to laugh at it. The problem Angron has is Angron just begins killing his way all the way up to the gates. But but the Aegis Shield isn't the only one. There's now the next layer down. And the next layer down is at the walls of is at the walls of, of the fortification. So Angron just kills anything between where he currently is and hit and, and what's phone goal, doesn't matter. Gets all the way to the wall and, and the new emperor's barrier is there and he's just like I don't know Mongo style <laughs> just trying to come in, trying to push through and can't get can't get through. And, and, he's, and meanwhile, Sanguinius is just shit-talking him from the top of the like tower. wildly. Because Sanguinius knows Angron can't get to him, which is just making Angron so much angrier, but he can't do anything about it. And I just, there's a better, if you read the story, it's a lot more dynamic, but I just have this humor of some of, these are all brothers, of a brother on top of the wall going, Nah, 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 you can't. I'm assuming get me. he was just throwing yeah. shit at him. And just, you know, <laughs> just, just, just mooning him and, and, and you know, and at him and that kind of stuff. Or, or maybe like, like, um, Monty Python at like the, the French at the top of the castle and Monty Python. I will taunt you once again. I will taunt you once again. <laughs> I fart in your general direction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he can't get in. And the thing is, is that it's a big deal on this is that at this point, the defenders are, in a pretty shitty situation. Mm-hmm. Also, the populace is wrecked. No one talks about this enough. Well, again... A lot of people outside the gates. Like, got ruined. Yeah, who are just... Two-thirds of the planet got trucked. And these guys, the people outside the gates, they were all handed, you know, we, in 40 we call the last guns, basically a flashlight, and said, hey, go shoot whatever shows up. Well, and what you, shows you up is a bloodthirster. A 38 special, yeah. and you were supposed to take on a monstrosity. Yeah, and just like, oh, this isn't going well. And you get that mo- that you know image of them shooting a space marine and bouncing space marine, looking and going, going to go make you not exist now. Uh, like, this would be so much cooler if I wasn't wearing a bulletproof vest versus this demon. <laughs> now bummed. they need to... Horus now needs to, to siege the final piece of the other capital. And what he realizes is the only chance to do this is to, dis- quote unquote, distract the emperor. The emperor is using all of his psychic powers to keep his barriers up. And there's some other barriers that he's also keeping up on the inside of the palace. We'll get to those in a minute. So screw, Horus. Dis- screw you, Magnus. Yeah. So Horus then enlists Magnus, because you know who's good at breaching the, the emperor's barriers? Because he's already done it before. Yeah, right, before is Magnus. So Horus and Magnus team up. And they start trying to just basically attack the emperor from from everywhere too. Yeah. They they're they're literally trying to figure out, hey, let's just attack him everywhere and see if anywhere is weak because we know that yes, he's the most powerful psyker in the galaxy, laughably. Right. But how about we just attack literally the ten different things that he's trying to protect at the same time and just keep hitting him and seeing what we can do about it. Now, though, Horus is pressed for time. So he needs to get down there and he needs to kill them. And the issue is they've been using drop pods. They've been using this and that to get down there. But that's not a good way to really unload onto a planet. They're also getting got titans. They're also getting murder shit in. Yeah. Like their drop pods are getting just like wrecked. duck hunting. Dorn, Dorn is really good at fortifications. Yeah, so like they're li- they are losing tens of thousands yeah. of Marines, which is a ridiculous amount. 
because they can't even they can't make planet side. Yeah. So and this is super jacked up because they they kind of gloss over this. They start landing capital ships which can't land. Literally cannot. I'm going to say that again. They're not supposed to be in the atmosphere. Yeah, they're supposed to only be in space. They start bringing these things down to the planet. Yeah, they just start driving them into the planet. Yeah. They're not coming yeah. back up. Yeah. yeah, opening, I guess, the airlock and saying, hey, guys, we're going to jump out of here. So yeah, feels like a good spot. which is also they're doing that with Titans, who are, I don't know, city-sized robots, and just going, figure it out, yo. And that's their plan. Which is right about the time you know you're getting a little desperate when you're like, hey, how should we land? Just take the capital ships and crash them into the ground. Won't that kill everybody? I mean, not everyone. Like, somebody will survive. Some of them. There is a spaceport right next to the Imperial Palace, because where else would it be? Actually, there's a couple of them. But where else would it be? And they decide to take the spaceport. The traders need to land. They need to be able to get their, like, titans and everything else And this out. is a nuts battle, by the way. Yeah. So they just, so they, this is, Pedrabo goes, that's it. And he sends in Iron Warriors, World Eaters, everybody to go and take this He also this swamps down. it with every cultist, every convicted, uh, corrupted Imperial Guard. He just, he puts in the bodies yep. and just says, uh, 40K players, I'm going to put so much OC on this objective. Yeah. I mean, this is all me. I mean... And so he and, and Dorn sees this coming and decides if they land, we could get overrun on the planet. Because this is where they're going to land everything. everything. And it also is two feet away from where they want to go. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, this is, it's not really across town. I mean, there's a piece here where it's like, I mean, this thing's move pretty fast. You guys could grab a different one, but I guess from a story standpoint, it wouldn't be as good. So <laughs> we need the one that's next door yeah. to the Emperor. Yeah, just a little bit in the lazy side. So. They come in, Dorn launches a furious counterattack. It starts wrecking everyone. And going through, and it actually begins to work. He loses a spaceport. He begins taking back the spaceport. Hold on. I want to say what happens next, though. You remember the guy that was super, super pissed about not being able to get inside the walls? Well, he found out where some fighting was going on. Yeah. And he's super okay with joining that fight. And Dorn, I mean, I'd laugh. Dorn and his forces, Iron Warriors were pushing back. The regular world leaders are pushing back. Heavy weapons, traitor troops, cultists. But they couldn't push back an Angron. No one kills ads like Angron kills ads. If you're not fighting a main character or a final boss, Angron is undefeatable. He and Angron comes in and just kills everyone. effectively everyone. He does. He literally starts taking all their heavy weapons and he's just cleaving them in two. Yeah. So now Dorn has an issue. And so the issue is he needs to buy time. He's getting their messages are first coming through that he's getting more notes from Ultramarines and Dark Angels who are telling him we're going to be there between six hours and seven days. Because yeah. it's the, the warp. Is, you don't the know. The warp is messy, but he now knows he's getting communication. He's he's got time. He knows his plan can work. These guys will get it, here. It, in time. It's a it's a real amount of time. It's not a we need to hold Terra for six months kind of thing. Exactly. So he needs to to make it a call. 
And one challenge that he's got in making this call is he's got to decide where are the fronts I'm going to fight you on. And the call he's going to make is we're going to fall back and we're going to give up some ground because we have to preserve our troops. And he we're doesn't give make... up some ground. He gives up the entire populace of a hemisphere. Well, the entire planet, actually. He gives up the planet all but, I don't know, three square miles. Right. He, he literally, he, you said he goes to three, from four fronts to three. He legitimately goes, hey, man, if you're not like within line of sight of me, sorry about your luck. You're on, like, he literally dooms a lot of the planet of Terra to just go, my bad, figure it out. There were four potential fronts, the Gorgon Bar, Colossi Gate, the Saturnine Gate, and the Eternity Wall Spaceport. And what Dorn decides is that I don't have any spaceships, so a spaceport doesn't really do me any good. So I'm going to focus on these, these, the bar and two gates, and I'm going to give up the spaceport. And we're going to cover all four of these spots because these are actually some pretty cool fights we're going to get into right now. Like, I mean, really also, Space Jesus goes buck wild. Goes, yeah, he goes to town. So Farton with, with the Gorgon Bar, and I had to, luckily, I was able to pull maps of this because when you read these things, it's a little bit tricky when you actually look at it. So the Gorgon Bar is just a wall outside of the main Lion Gate. So whenever you build a fortress, you have... Remember that we're also talking about a giant amount of space. Yeah. Because this is an Earth-sized battle. Because Terra is effectively one large fortress. Well, this whole fight's actually happening just at... But I'm saying, like, the, the whole thing is is focused. But oh, yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot going on. Yeah, there's there's a lot literally going. a planet-sized fight going on. Yeah. And Rogaldorn just decides, I, I don't care about the rest of it. I, I literally need the Emperor to not die. And I, everybody else, sorry, bros, everything gets pulled back. So the first place we're going to cover is the Gorgon Bar. And this is just one of the walls. It's kind of one of the more exterior walls. Have you guys ever seen, like, really well-built medieval castles? Or actually, uh, Lord of the Rings. You know, if you yeah, go to Lord but of the just Rings. make those, those walls, like, 15 times this time. Exactly. And so this is one of them. This one it, it is defended by Sanguinius with the Blood Angels and some, some Imperial Fists that the Iron Warriors decide to launch themselves at, at it. And so... Sorry about your luck, bro. Yeah, so the Iron Warriors decide, you know, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to break the wall down ourselves. We're going to bring a giant walking robot. Just a humongous, city-sized death robot. It's going to blast a hole through the walls. I don't even know how to describe this because it's so ridiculously big. The, the robots are so big that... The guys are inside have to have air supplies because they're so high up yeah. that they need to literally have oxygen if they get breached. And Space Jesus decides, I ain't going out like that, and decides to solo these. Yeah, flies over, takes a spear, and just shoves it through. Again, he basically took a take a aircraft carrier... And put legs on it, which is yeah. what this is. Yeah. And when I'm going to melee that, which is what he did. And one of my favorite parts is that these things are demon infused. So they're, they're not, when we talk about a robot, we think about a robot being piloted by a person. These things actually are, are actually somewhat chaos entities. Well, they have, they have, they have entities and they're not just entities. They're entities that are shackled yeah. against their will to this thing, to this thing. And they watch sanguinius one hand 
this one and the other three run away yeah which is probably <laughs> the right decision because the guy the you know the flying angel with yeah. wings meleeed a aircraft carrier i'm just again saying figure out what weapon you want to use on an aircraft carrier and figure out how you're punching to death yeah. an he aircraft carrier a spear and yeah. just and, and through yeah so this does two things well three things one the other titans run away that one two massively invigorates the loyalists which again this is where sanguinius through this entire fight is only picking his fights for the biggest pr basically yep. he's he's doing stuff but he realizes that i'm awesome but like i can only be in so many places like if they bring too many people i still lose because exactly. they just run past me exactly. and kill people so he's trying to pick his biggest pr moments to invigorate the defenders because this is a lost cause on they're just trying to hold again the defenders aren't looking to win because they can't well, they're looking to stand out i think when they look at it, we're talking about a really ugly form of war right now it's really whoever has the most morale will yes. win and sanguinius is just doing that like let's do morale the only thing to happens is now the iron warriors just kind of say well that didn't work and they bail so they have now held the Gorgon Gate. So we move over to the Colossi Gate, which is kind of on the other side of the fortress from the Gorgon, the Gorgon Bar. And this one, the Death Guard are coming in, and they're attacking to try and bring down the gate. And Jagadi Khan is there with with Constantine Valdor. Which, by the way, he's told to definitely stand here, defend the gate. And Khan goes, no problem. I'm 100% down with your plan. Okay, guys, charge. Yes. <laughs> like I, I, do. I, I believe everything you just said, but also I'm going to go I'm outside. Gonna go, I'm gonna go. And, and they do. And he charges straight out in, 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 into them and discover that Magnus and Ahriman are out there, a couple of sorcerers, and just start getting wrecked. And again, they have not, met, at this point in time, they have not met sorcery. They have not met chaos and fused. They, yeah, they have not. But what happens is that White Scars, in a real massive stroke of luck, are one of the few legions that had psychers. No, no, I was just saying, but they haven't. True story, because they have actual slight counters. Yep. I say slight because they counter it, but they it, they just don't get obliterated That's by it. They should have been wiped by Magnus and Armin right. walking out there, and they get lucky that they have their own they they, they, they know that the psychics exist. They're not just ready for... They're, they're not ready for Doom Bones. Mm -hmm. How about that? Yeah. And so Jagadikon goes out with his, with his jet bikes and pretty quickly discover they have to turn right around because they go right into warp. It's just mass amounts of warp, of warp attacks and come back to, come back to it. And, but they're still oh, able to hold Magnus and Aramon at bay. So whereas on the Gorgon Bar, the defenders were turned away, on the Colossi Gate, they were kind of stalemated. Yeah, I don't even know if they were stalemated. They were, they were slowed down. Yeah. I think that more that Magnus, Aramon, and company were more surprised that their psychic attacks didn't... And this is 1,000% yeah. just my opinion. I felt that they were more like, oh we thought this would already wipe everybody and it didn't, it was still really successful, but they were just didn't realize that anybody had defenses against them yeah, it's a, because it's no a, one has so far. And out of nowhere, <clears throat> the white scars, the, the white scar librarians actually were able to 
fight the work storm effectively that Magnus and Armand were creating over top of them and keep it at bay, which allowed Jagda Khan to turn Retreat. back around and go back to the thing he was told to do in the beginning, which is stay on this wall <laughs> and shoot at them. So they did that. Now we'll move over to the, the third one, which is the Saturn, the Saturnine Gate. The Saturnine Gate is it's on the opposite side of, of the fortress. Is this wall kind of surrounding, missing the backside? I mean, we, do we consider this the main fight? Well, it became the main fight because during the bombardment, Petarabo noticed that there was a, literally a crack in the earth beneath the gate, and he saw that and went, "This is it." This is how we're going to. This is how we're well, going to breach. It, it, it's basically the the breach in the circle of salt, the yep. protective circle. Exactly. And, but this does become the fight. This is this if you is go with just numbers, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. They could, this is this is the commitment. This is Fulgrim goes. This is my chance. So he decides to send the Fulgrim. Petarabo says, "This is my chance." So he sends Fulgrim with his entire Emperor Children's Legion down into the, down to attack the gate from above. Then he grabs a Baden and a bunch of other kind of, I would, I would hear his key characters to go into the underground crack. Cause his idea is Dorn doesn't know this crack is here. So I'm going to fight above it with the entirety of the emperor's children. Then I'm going to jump below and sneak my way in. Problem is that Dorn's really good at what he does. <laughs> so Dorn's completely aware of it. I believe my note here is suck it, Petarabo. Um, Dorn's completely aware the crack is there and realizes that Petarabo will go for this said crack and reinforces said crack. Yeah, but he, he also reinforces it with plot armor like yeah. a madman because he takes, hey, were you a main character in books before this? Yeah. I'm going to put you in this crack yeah, because there's no way that you can stop plot armor. For those of you who've read the early Horus Heresy books and have read the later Horus Heresy books, but play modern 4EK and say, hey, why is this really important character from the novel not in 40k? This battle. That is true. <laughs> Everyone dies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this this battle. This is where, like, hey, whatever happened to Baby Horus? Problem solved. Whatever happened to uh to Kipri? Problem solved. Whatever happened to Tormagadden? Problem solved. This just ends all of them. So what ends up occurring here, and, and I just like this idea, is that the Emperor's children are, are launching themselves into the wall above, and down below, Abaddon and his buddies all warp in. Garvel Loken, Nathaniel Garrow, a bunch of... And, and, main characters? All, all the loyalist main characters are waiting in traps around in, in this kind of subterranean era and just begin to slaughter them as they wreck. Warp in. Just they just wreck, wreck them. them. They are the... And, the, the fun thing about this, these guys are sneaking in, they're, they're, they're warping in, they're, they're expecting to get no resistance, and the second they appear, they get shot in the head. <laughs> and they lose, like, the traitor marines lose a bonkers town. Yeah. All, everyone, everyone who invades down here is killed. They, they, they slaughter them. To the point, Abaddon almost gets killed and then runs away after almost getting killed. A theme that Abaddon will... He rocks that. Yeah. For every time Gilliman appears the last minute to save the day, Abaddon runs away at the last minute. He's the Skeletor of 40K. <laughs> Skeletor. <laughs> he is. The last of these is the Etern it's Eternity Wall Spaceport. I did want to touch on this. It was a three-front battle. There was a fourth. And Dorne just realized, I can't fight on all four, so I'm going to let the spaceport go. He 
tells the defenders there as much, saying, look, you guys are on your well, own. This is a good story, actually. Yeah. You're, you're not doing them credit, Please. John, because of the fact that Dorn legitimately tells these people, we can't defend this this fourth front, whatever. And we can't, and you can't retreat because I can't get you back to the walls. Correct. And, and effectively, these guys go, we're not giving you any reinforcements. You are 1 billion percent, like, laughably going to die. Mm-hmm. There's going to be 50 times as many people attacking you. If you can just not die for, like, a little bit, that would help a lot. Yeah, give me three minutes. And these guys go buck wild and literally wow. fight well, it's one of my favorite stories is, yeah, I mean, is <laughs> they get fought back and Angron shows up and Angron. By the way, the, he is everywhere. In he, this fight. I mean, Angron, Angron has a really good time fighting around Terra. And I just like the story. So Angron shows up and all of a sudden death, murder, kill Angron just disappears for a second, and he goes... I think more it's he's trying to talk shit to them. Yeah, it's more than anything. Fine, but he gets the, look, you guys can surrender, you and know? They it, did it, shoot him in the head with an yeah, anti-aircraft well, yeah. gun. Let's see. And their response is, <laughs> so Angron says to them, you are, you, you are the loyalists, you, you, and Angron is telling you, surrender, and I will spare you. And their response is to take one of the guns they have on this platform which is designed to shoot I was a say, spaceship out I, of space i did that i did that as a service yeah. i said anti-aircraft it was an anti-spaceship gun yeah that's that, that's designed to break up a also it's not even it's space. not also designed to be turned th- this yeah. way yeah they had actually made it so yeah. it could they actually lowered it and shot angron in the face with it so angron in his little speech of you should all surrender and again, what about this is a break from angry murder everything Angron gets shot in the face with an anti-spaceship gun, disintegrates instantly. And immediately but, shows back and, up. And, and then reforms so pissed off. Yeah, he is not <laughs> excited about that. So needless to say, at this stage, the Eternity Wall spaceport um, falls. <laughs> I mean, they, again, they did go out in style. They went out in style. They did. Because they were also supposed to be a blip. Exactly. Like, they were supposed to be like a, hey, if you can make them, like, stumble for, like, two seconds, that would be great. Like, when they step on your body, could you grab, like, their just, ankle? Just, just <laughs> slow them down for a second. And they did. What interesting thing happens right at this moment, though, is right outside near Pluto and Neptune, the first Dark Angel, uh, piece of the fleet arrive they they appear and they begin sh- launching themselves towards terra and everyone's aware of this the loyalists are aware of this but importantly horus is aware of this and the issue again is even with the warp no one knows how far out the dark angel trains are because while chaos is trying it, it is doing all this stuff in the warp it's not like there's a gps and someone can say they'll be here this much yeah, time they might be here in a couple hours they might be yeah. here next week and so the arrival of the first dark angels is terrifying for horus because now he now he has to kick it up to a, to a 10 11 or a 12 we got to go we got to go we got to go and rogel dorn is getting this great little reinforcement it's working they're here but with that that feels the the perfect cliffhanger to freeze this and push us to next week so quick little recap of where we are horus has i mean basically right he's he's what 
quarter mile from his final target. Quarter mile from his, he's, he's, he's got sights on. Yep. He literally has like eyes on the final target. The defenders are bent but not broken, mm-hmm. but they are. There's a light. They, 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 there's a glimmer of hope coming their way. They, they now, well, they're getting a glimmer of hope that just happened mm-hmm. because they're putting up the best defense, but kind of ridiculous odds after the, oh, yeah, portals to chaos were opened on the Yeah, not great. That wasn't the best. So, and they also have, again, distant British dad who's doing stuff, but he's not telling anybody he's doing stuff. So, like, they don't know why dad's just hasn't shown up and started slapping me. Wrecked everything. They're like, this is the most powerful guy in the galaxy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Why is he in the basement? Like, he's still working on his CB radio. Like, what the hell's happening? I I really want Dad to help out. Come on. But they now have the second angriest of their brothers. Let's be honest. The lion is vendetta for days. Well, yeah. The vendetta guy's on his way, and it's just he's not going to put up. You've got the best tactical guy and the guy that wipes out civilizations on the way. Yeah. So from there, we'll freeze until next week where we will conclude uh, what happens again. Who's going to win? Is it Horus? <laughs> Is it the Emperor? Is it a random dude named Eric? We, we, we won't know till next week. My bet's on Eric. My bet's on Eric. Once again, thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe to us and tell your friends. Join our Discord. Join our Facebook page. I, I am John Barsati. This is Brad Chester. Scott. Have a wonderful evening. Okay.